I'll, I'll go first. Um, okay. So my front mask is thoughtfulness, knowledge, optimism. There's the three words that I put on the front of my mask. It's really easy okay. for me to show people that. Awesome. All right. So the front of mine, uh, I'm going to show mine here, is going to say uh, serious, caring, and it's kind of blurry, hardworking. Um, is there anything on the front that you want to expound on or, or say more about? Any one of your words you want to say more about or describe or something? Well, I think the front of the mask is easy to talk about, so it's not it's not the exciting part of it. Um, that's a piece that we are very willing to show people. Um, it's it's the back of the mask that I think where the interest is. So, yeah, um, yeah. Okay, that's 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 fair. Huh? So the back is where we get real, where we get really real, right? Yeah, yeah, I think. Oh, okay. I think, yeah. <laughs> well, let's do it. You're you're up. You're you're you you lead. You lead. Welcome to the Taking Off the Mask podcast. My name is Ashanti Branch, and I'm really glad you've joined us. Today's guest is Kita Dimming. You know, Kita is. A, person who talks about conversations and in this conversation we have together it goes pretty deep pretty fast it's a uh, conversation about our masks but as he begins to share about the recent loss of his grandmother um, he opens up an opportunity for me to talk about my grandmother some of you know last year in january i lost my grandmother and uh, this year, I've been able to finally do some processing around it. Um, but the conversation went to some other stress and drama that's going on around the house and around my cousins and around some other things that I didn't prepare to talk about today. I, didn't, I actually didn't even think that that was on the my, even my, my mental agenda. But as the conversation began to, to grow, we realized that it was. You know, something really interesting when you get a permission to talk about what's going on with you, that sometimes the someone else sharing what they're going through gives room for you to also be able to do that. And in this podcast, normally, if I was in a regular conversation with someone, when they share with me about their life and what they're going through, I don't try and take over the conversation and share what's going on with me. But the benefit of the Taking Off the Mask podcast is that was what it's supposed to do. I didn't have to feel worried about also sharing what I'm going through and the feelings around my grandmother because it is exactly what is expected. What if we had connections and friendships in our life where we could talk about what we were going through and not worry and not feel like I'm taking over the conversation, but that we get a mutually opportune chance to share what we're going through in our lives. That's the beauty of it. If you've been looking to make a mask, you can go to 100kmasks.com. We look forward to you being a part of this journey with us. And if you know someone who needs to hear this message today, please share it with them. That's one of the best ways that other people will learn about our podcast like you have. Thank you for being on this journey with us and welcome to Taking Off the Mask. Well, man, welcome, 
Nikita to the Million Mask Movement and to the Taking Off the Mask podcast. So glad you're here today. Thanks for having me, my friend. Man, you know, uh, I'm glad we finally got, we, you know, we played we play tag a little bit, you know, like we're busy schedules. We're trying to you get you in, get me in. And so I really appreciate you for making time today and even this morning just trying to get everything locked in. So I, um, I'm excited to be in this conversation with you today. Yeah, I'm super excited. I, it's an honor to be in conversation with somebody who's doing work that I absolutely believe in. So it's good stuff. Well, because we want our guests to like hear from you, um, will you just introduce yourself? Like, tell us, you know, tell you know, we know your name, but tell us who you are. What are you up to? Like, what are the big things you're doing in the world? And and then we'll jump right in. That's that's really funny. Um, I actually believe in doing small things, and if you do small things exceptionally well, um, you actually have a bigger impact. So I can tell you the small things that I'm doing. Um, they, one of my favorite quotes is "common doing common things uncommonly well." So, as a as a profession, I educate and coach entrepreneurs. So people come into our business builder playbook program, and we give them sort of a playbook on how to build a business and there's sort of two kinds of people in the world they're income producers and business builders and income producers are people who replace income earned that it would traditionally work earn working for somebody else with income earned through their own efforts whereas a business builder is trying to create value separate from themselves people come to us for different reasons whether they want to build a business whether they would want to be a big income producer or they're stuck in the middle. And sometimes people are stuck in the middle, which is no man's land. So that's what I do during the day. And I love being a coach. And the whole idea is to help people grow. And I don't mean grow business-wise, just grow in terms of their own personal and professional development, learning how to say no to things, learning how to develop their team around them, how to work with the right people, how to move more quickly. So that's, that's kind of what we do professionally. And then currently I run two projects. One is uh, a personal project, which I called Disruptive Conversations. And the genesis of that was, I believe that organizations are conversations. So what we used, what the literature would tell you is organizations are machines. And I believe that organizations are living, breathing human entities. That if you want to transform organizations, you have to transform the kinds of conversations you have. So I've done about 150 interviews with people who are working to disrupt a sector or system, and I call that podcast Disruptive Conversations. And I'm going to be moving that and going to another project, which I'm calling Better Conversations, which is really focusing on teaching people how to not get caught in polarized, downward cycle conversations and really adopt a mindset of, if I want this conversation to be better, What's the next thing I need to say? So those are my three small things that I do. I think, you know, um, you know, for a little disclosure for folks who are listening, you know, Keith and I have met before in a in a circle of men, and um, you know, one or two times, and I um I, I was really excited when I heard part of his story, and really has been really excited to be able to invite him to be in this conversation just to go a little deeper, you know, and this work with uh, taking off the mask is really just a space for men to have, you know, unusually different conversations. And I wish it wasn't unusual, 
unfortunately, a lot of times in my daily interactions with men outside in the world, it's very surface level. Um, but I really enjoy connecting with men who are willing to go deeper than that. So I'm excited for you to be here and I'm excited we get to make these masks together. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Now, have you already made your mask or do you need to make it now? I've already made my mask. I don't have access to it right now, but um, okay. I did make my mask. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. Then what we'll do is um, you can, you can just, do you remember what you wrote? Do you remember the words you wrote? No, but I remember, oh, okay. I remember telling myself I got to really <laughs> lean into my vulnerability on that one. Um, <laughs> I can pull it up. Actually, um, I know it is. It's um, I can pull it up pretty quickly. Oh, okay, right on. Well, you know, like what I tell young men when they tell me that in in the work, I was like, "Did you did you lose it or did you lose it? Did you misplace it or did you misplace it?" (laughs) No, no, no. So I did. So when I did mine, I just got in one of those like new Apple pens. Nice. So I used it as a like. Way to kind of, I used it to draw on that. So I know I, awesome. I just, it was my first test with that Apple <laughs> pen. So I know, I know my mask. I got it. So awesome. um, what, what do you want? What do you want to hear from me? on that? What's your question? Well, now we get to, you get to decide who goes first. So normally on this part, you, one of us will go first. So you either decide I'll go first or you'll decide that you want to go first by uh, sharing the mask. And you start with the front and then uh, the next person will do the front and then we'll do back and then back, and then uh, and then we'll talk about it. We'll talk about whatever comes up. Yeah, I'll, I'll go first. Um, okay. So my front mask is thoughtfulness, knowledge, optimism. Is the three words that I put on the front of my mask. Okay. Say it one more time. Say it one more time. Thoughtfulness, knowledge, and optimism. Okay. It's really easy okay. for me to show people that. Awesome. All right. So the front of mine, uh, I'm going to show mine here, is going to say serious, caring, and it's kind of blurry, hardworking. Serious, caring, and hardworking. That's on the front of my mask. Um, Is there anything on the front that you want to expound on or or say more about? Any one of your words you want to say more about or describe or something? Well, I think the front of the mask is easy to talk about, so it's not it's not the exciting part of it. Um, that's a piece that we are very willing to show people. Um, it's it's the back of the mask that I think where the interest is. So, yeah, um, yeah. Okay, that's 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 fair. Huh? So the back is where we get real, where we get really real, right? Yeah, yeah, I think. Oh, okay. I think, yeah. <laughs> well, let's do it. You're you're up. You're you're you lead. You lead. You're the lead. I, I just I kind of follow your lead. You know what I mean? Yeah, I am. Um, so the back of my mask is um, foresight. Um, my deepest work. So I am very afraid to show people my deepest work and I'm afraid to people show people who I who I really am and just building off of that so since I drew this mask I've I've had some done my own work 
so I can articulate that a little bit different differently, which is that my dad is an, I have an amazing dad. Like he was present. He, he he's supportive. He's amazing. And I played soccer at a really high level and I started to get really cocky and he pulled me aside one day and said, you need to learn how to let the ball do the talking. Bragging and boasting does nothing for you. It just makes you look terrible. People don't like you, etc. So from that day, I worked really hard to let my let the ball do the talking. And I mean that on all fronts. If I put work out there, I let the ball do the talking. And then as a result of that, I've realized I don't, I know my work to do right now is to move becoming, move beyond being a secret, but then keeping it humble. And I have only recently been able to articulate that. Um, and then I'll share something else, which just because we, we, you and I have met in other places where we're vulnerable and stuff is, um, I, I virtually buried my grandmother yesterday morning. So what I mean by that is that she was cremated, but we had a funeral service. She lives in Trinidad. I'm stuck in Canada. I can't fly back. We have flat, we have family in Dubai. Her grandkids are in Dubai, Australia, England, and Canada. So my parents did this funeral for her and live streamed it onto Facebook, which in so many ways is a really weird concept. Like putting a camera on a dead body is like, you're like, what? But it's probably one of the most meaningful online experiences I've ever had. Like, and I gave a eulogy um, and, I, and I talked about her and the impact. So one of the things, the three things I kind of share from that is that um, when I was really young, I was, diagnosed with dyslexia and she decided every Saturday that I would spend, she would spend, she's a principal and taught English and religious studies and stuff. And she worked with me to make sure I had the skills and knowledge I needed to survive in this world. Mm-hmm. And she did every Saturday. Um, so I spent a lot of time with her and I loved her. And like most people know how to be like the strict woman. I know how to be like the most loving, the woman who cooks food, makes sugar cake, like, we like squeeze sugar cane juice and like great coconuts and like that's that's the memories I have. Of. So she talk about formative. Um, so that that's one, and then two at the end of my own podcast, I I often ask um, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say at the pearly gates? I ask my guests that every single time. I'm dying to know what God said to her at the pearly gates like I'm just absolutely dying to know that um and then yesterday the third thing I want to share is that my guess is that I think that because of the woman who she was like she she traveled on a boat from Trinidad to England with three kids I'm like this is like the 1950s right I could barely do that with my son like to fly to Trinidad with like luggage that have wheels and stuff. And she did that. Like she jumped in a boat, <laughs> like three kids. One kid was like 10 months old. That's like, it's insane. So she was like this really powerful. I think they, they don't, we're not made like that. They don't make people like that anymore. So anyway, 
the the kind of sentence that um, really resonated for me, and it's just really true for me, is really leaning into getting the job done and then inspiring other people to do the same. So carving a path for people behind you. So you go out and get your own, but make sure you make space for people behind you. Mm. And the reason I'm sharing that story is because of that insight I had around moving beyond letting the ball do the talking. I got to go out and do it myself, but while I'm doing that, make space for people behind me. I don't know if that resonates with you or, or like. Oh, man. I am, um, you know, uh, so first, thank you for sharing that. And, and I'm glad this is, a, this is a, a, a conversation where we both get to share, because I think in my, my day-to-day life, my my role is trying not to, um, hi- not to hijack the conversation, right? Because when you share something really personal like that, man, I feel it, and um, and I just want to thank you. First of all, thank you. So that's um, the the beauty of this part of the podcast is that I get to share too, and and um, and I don't feel uh, I don't feel, I don't feel guilty to do that because it's part of what we're doing here. <laughs> But um, normally I wouldn't I wouldn't share also. Right. I would just like really hold space for you to to share your story. Um, so I actually wrote something different on the card that I but I'm going to probably share something different. So I wrote um, on the back of my card, uh, fear of failure, um, sadness about death and childhood trauma. And I guess I'll talk about sadness about death because um, it's really resonating based on your story. You know, my um, my grandmother passed in January of last year. And um, it wasn't until January of this year that I could actually like kind of let myself do a little bit more grieving. I pretty much stuffed it for a whole year and I was sad. Like I'm the youngest. Um, I really was close to my grandmother. Um, My father died before I was born. So she was the only connection to the branch side of my family. So like it wasn't until maybe 10 years ago that she finally like opened the door so I could meet all the branches. There's like hundreds of them. She never let me know about them. I thought it just all ended with her because she was the kind of grandmother who was very loving. Like you talk about making sugar cake. I don't know what she called her cake, but it, it was sweet. Um, <laughs> and my grandmother loves sugar, right? And um, she would be like, stop asking all these questions. Go outside and play. That's what my grandmother would be like. Go outside and play. Um, even though she always wanted me to come over to her house. But she was always like, go outside and play. <laughs> like, you come over here, then you go outside and play. Like. I came to visit you. You know what you're talking about? And, and that's when I was five years old and when I was 25 years old. So I'm asking all these questions. Go outside and play. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going outside and play anymore, Grandma. I'm 25, you know. But um, loved her and uh, I miss her. I miss her. I think uh, January of last year was really hard. And then COVID came and I was like, part of me was thankful that I... Uh, it was a weird way to be thankful, but I was thankful that I didn't have to like restrict myself from not visiting her and I couldn't go see her. I would be worried about taking, you know, an illness to her. It would have been hard to like just wave at her through the screen door. And not that I'm glad she's gone. I just was <laughs> comparing the two pains. I was like, ma'am, just, um, and so, yeah, thank you for sharing that. And, um, Something that's actually is more probably on the back of the mass. I don't talk much about my uh, uh, and this is family drama. You know, you see it on movies all the time, right? Where there's a will and people are acting crazy in the family. And 
you know, I, I would so rather have my grandmother here, but, um, my cousin who was put in charge, um, he's selling her house. Like, I'm like, what's going on? Like, and everyone's got their hand out, you know, everyone's, and it makes me sad and it makes me furious. And I have this battle between wanting to cry and wanting to punch a wall. My grandmother owned, my grandmother's owned that house since the forties, maybe even the thirties. And these, these family members, all they're looking at is got their hand out to, to get money in their pocket. And, um, you know, I was trying to go through the process to buy it. I didn't, um, it's family drama. Like I didn't expect that I was going to deal with this kind of family drama for our family home. And they're just trying to, and they're selling it. I think apparently it's already sold is what I heard. And, uh, I didn't have enough time to get the paperwork together and all the, like, it's, it's like one of those things where I'm like talking about it. I dance between being furious and being really sad. And so, my emotions are like battling with it's like kind of like the movie Inside Out where you got sad and anger at the same time and <laughs> the little blue character and the red character are like crashing and I'm just trying to I'm kind of like numb I'm like numb you know and um, I feel it I feel it can, uh, I, can I can I you mind if I ask you a question yeah yeah I, I think I recently heard the quote that your emotions are a love language to yourself. Or love notes to yourself. Yeah. What's a love note that those emotions are telling you? Um, I think uh, my grandmother was not a woman who dealt with drama and messiness. She, she wouldn't want me to be in the middle of the messiness. She she was caring and loving and she knew that people were messy and she, uh, I, I think the message she's sending me is a couple of things. I, I, I and it's a story I tell myself and I'm trying to make sure I'm, but what I feel is that she doesn't want me in the middle of the mess, you know, like. She, yeah. But I'm asking a different question. Yeah. Uh, my, my question is what, what what is the what are the emotions telling you hmm. so you're talking you're thinking about what she would want yeah what are the emotions telling you about what you want um i think the sadness is telling me that, like i don't want uh somebody else to own that space like i like our family should own that like I should own I should nothing else I should own that house somebody in the family should own that house like I feel sad that that house is now like I'm 46 I've been going to that house all my life that now I'm gonna drive by that place I'm not even gonna recognize it somebody else is gonna live there the sadness is telling me that there's it, it, it's does, it it seems ridiculous that yeah, I, it's so many things. I don't really actually don't even have probably have a good answer for it. But I think what I know about my emotions is that um, I'm a good stuffer of my emotions. So what my emotions, maybe on a good day, would say is probably different than what I'm saying right now in this moment. You know. But 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 all my point is, and we we probably don't have time to like go into this, but I I think it'd be <laughs> worth spending some time, like really thinking about. Um, why 
why keeping that house is important to you, even if you don't keep it. Mm-hmm. Really doing a deep dive into understanding what does keeping the house mean? What does it represent to me? What's important about that for me? Yeah. And just that discovery alone will tell you a lot about who you are, what you care about, etc. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think that if, if I was thinking about that part of it, I would say um, I... Without having my, without growing up without my father, my father died before I was born. So my only connection to the branch is that house. So it meant more than that, just is that a, is that a hundred percent true? Well, um, up until like you know eight years ago, my grandmother connected me with the branch people in Arkansas. That was the only connection I had to branch. So I think it's sentimental in that way, but. There was no other connection yeah. to Branch. There was no other. There was uh, up until like this eight years ago. I said um, when she finally like connected me with them. So I think it's just more nostalgia, probably more than anything. You know, I think it's more nostalgia than anything. Uh, it's also, you know, I I guess I didn't want to believe that my family would be acting like this. You know, what I'm saying like like you see it on TV, you see movies of families having battles over the casket. I mean, literally, I got a text two days after my grandmother passed. Like, what are we going to do with the house? Like, I, I was the closest to my grandmother, like, by far. And so I felt like, yeah. so yeah. I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot there. It's a, it's a great question. I don't even think I have an answer because I'm still, <laughs> I'm still like not all the way processing it. I think I'm, if I can, uh, yeah, yeah. This is the beauty of this conversation, yeah, all, right? All, the all beauty I'm going to say to you is as somebody who's still processing. Yeah. All I'm going to say is somebody who's pro- still processing the death of my own grandmother. Yeah. Um, I get it. Like it's like I, I we haven't even started to have the conversation about what we're going to do with her house. Um, I don't think we're going to. I don't have that kind of emotional connection to the house that you might. Yeah. Um, but it, it's if what's 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 important to me is what happened yesterday, which was that in our family, we gathered. Um, Currently, because of the way the world was, we couldn't gather in how we thought we would gather, in the way we thought we would gather. But we got to gather. We gathered virtually. And my uncle, who was in England, he got to speak, and he was powerful. My cousin, she was in England. She got to speak. Like, my cousin was in Dubai. She watched in. I got to speak. Like, it wasn't how we want to gather, but we were able to gather. So, yeah. And it's, I think I think it was I think it was powerful. I think, um, for me, the the closure was super important. And I know I won't really hit me until I like go back home, and like I walk into a room and I smell her. Like that's when it's gonna be tough. But it's it's yeah, and I, and yeah. I think, and the other challenge I think is as as men, it 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 is really difficult for us to really lean into our emotions, and then express and share those emotions in a way that um, I think is meaningful and insightful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's part of the work that we need to do as whatever we define as men of the future is like how do we so i have a son who's two years old and it, i i i posted on instagram about my grandmother and i said to him i asked him if he remembers her because 
I made a special effort to make sure he met her. Mm. And he was like, yeah, I met my grandma. He's two. And I don't know if he remembers her or not. I don't know if he remembers pictures. He's talked on, in, on FaceTime and all that. But one of the things I kind of wrote on that Instagram post is, as I awkwardly manage this emotional situation, one of the jobs I want to do is make sure you or he can better manage the emotions than I do. Mm-hmm. Because I get stupid with my emotions. I don't. That's like work I only started doing in the last year or two, right? Mm-hmm. Because as men, yeah, as men, like, we're, we're not allowed to go there, right? Yeah. And then when we go there, we get slapped in the face like you sissy, you punk. Oh, like, man. tough it out, like, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's those kind of things I think are super important, so yeah. Yeah. You know, really interesting when you talked about that is that um, I wrote Satisfied Death before you, you know, before you talked about your grandmother. I was actually, when I wrote this, it was about my father, right? Because he died before I was born. And I'm, you know, I, I sometimes I tell myself I should be over it by now. I, I tell myself that because it's still a wound and it's not like a scar. Like that emptiness that I grew up with, the emptiness of like struggles I dealt with that I thought a, a good father may have helped me not go through all those struggles. Like I think it's still, I'm working on creating, you know, and letting it heal. And I, but I haven't talked about it only say in the last 10 years, I've started being able to process it. But for most of my life, I just blocked it out. So I think that even talking about thinking about my grandmother's situation, it's like, it's rooted in my my father being gone before I, before I basically started. My, he died three months before I was born, you know? So I think uh, death in general is really tough for me. And I'm good about, blo- I'm good about ignoring it. I'm good about, okay, it happens, and then I'm moving on. I got... And then that's that's my default. You you just you just you just gave me a you just gave me a thought that I've never had. Um, the distinction between a wound and a scar. So I think my my thing is like if I think about a wound, if I get cut today, it's going to become a scar in three weeks, four weeks. There's a kind of defined timeline on that. Yeah. But I think emotional wounds can stay as wounds for a really, really long time. And I think that's a big, big difference. So like your dad might have died years ago, but at what point did it actually start to heal and become a scar? Or was it a wound for like 15 years? Was it, was it a wound for a year? Was it a year? You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's a really important distinction to make. Um, So thank you for that gift. I hadn't, I'd never thought about that. Well, thank you. And I think that it's still, it, uh, sometimes I say unfortunately, but it's a journey of my own healing process. It's still a wound. Like if I if I talk about it, yeah. I, I can feel emotions. And I don't know that feeling emotions means it's still a wound, but I know that it doesn't break me down, but it if I feel it. I feel it heavily, right? And so it's a journey. And this, this is why. Remember, but, but that scar metaphor is amazing because sometimes after you get a scar, the part of that skin becomes numb, right? Like <laughs> after it heals. That's right. right? That's right. That's right. It leaves right. a mark. And like, so I, I'm a, I'm a, I like my music, right? And I think it's Damien Mali talks about like scars as, as, as beauty marks. Mm. So those scars, 
they're not scars in the sense that they're ugly, they're beauty marks. So having to go through um, what you went through with your dad, that's a beauty mark on your soul. When it, when it heals, it's up to you and the work that you do, etc. But there's no fixed timeline on that. And the other thing about scars is, is wounds is that where that skin was cut, it's weaker. So it's easier to become a wound there. Right? Mm-hmm. So it, like this, this, you just opened up a whole kind of metaphors for me, my friend. <laughs> I, like, no, I, I like that. I like the wound versus the scar metaphor. Like that, I've, I've never thought about that. That's, it's, it's, it's a really powerful way to think about men as we try to heal in a world where there are lots of sharp objects coming our way as we as we try to be vulnerable and try to put ourselves there. Like, it's great. Brenny Brown, I love her. Great. And she's like, be vulnerable, like such. And then you be vulnerable and you get, like, slapped in the face. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Well, you know, man, I, I'm so glad that – thank you. Thank you for this uh, time. And I, and, I, and I have a feeling we're going to be talking a lot more in the future. So um, how yeah. about you tell folks how they can get in touch with you or what is something that's coming up for you? Um, that you want people to know about? I know you talked about the two conversations that are going to be starting, but is there any way that you want people to follow back up with you? And uh, I just want to appreciate you for being here today. Ashanti, I want to just thank you for this conversation. What I love about it is how we went deep really quickly. So thank you for that and making space for that and sharing your story. Um, For folks who want to know more about me, check out betterconversationsproject.com. We're just starting that project, uh, but we have a couple of downloads and stuff, but we're kind of on a mission to have help 1 million people have one better conversation because, for example, Ashanti, you need to have a better conversation with your family right now. And how you have that is not going to be easy because it starts from an emotional place. Very rarely is it from a logical place. So I think that's the best place to find me. And if you go with my name, Keith Deming, I think there's only one in the world. So I look forward to meeting and hearing from you. And once again, thank you for having me on the show, my friend. Well, thank you for being a part of the Taking Off the Mask podcast. And we look forward to seeing you soon. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you soon. If what you heard today you enjoyed, if you've listened to this and you found something inspiring, please like and subscribe to this podcast. That's the best way for someone to uh, find this podcast, maybe like you did. Um, please tell someone about it. If you know, listen to some of our previous episodes, and if one of them rings out to you, please share it with somebody you know. Uh, we also invite people to join us in a face-to-face where they come together with another person to make a mask and talk about that mask together. They're short conversations, about 20, 30 minutes. So if that's something that's interesting to you, please uh, send us a message. Send us in the comments below. Let us know that you're interested in that. And we look forward to you joining the movement of the Million Mask Movement. And check out our new shirt. I don't know how you can can see it, but this is our new shirt, the Million Mask Movement. And so uh, we'll have these soon available. Uh, But we look forward to you being a part of the movement and supporting our work. Uh, please consider supporting the work that we do in Ever Forward and in the work uh, that we do in the Million Mask Movement to let people around the world realize that they're not alone. Thank you.